Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. How's it going? Oh, it's going just peachy keen over here. Ew. Peachy keen. Peachy keen. Usually when I say things are peachy, they're not, in fact, peachy. <laughs> Usually it's very sarcastic when I say that. <laughs> See, I'm not a very sarcastic person to begin with. Oh, I am. So. so I don't say things sarcastically very often. Yeah. See, that's why we're we're so good together because we balance each other out. <laughs> that's right. So when I say everything is peachy, I mean it. Although this beer looks kind of peachy, even though it's not Ooh. a peach beer. What kind is it? Watching it pour into my glass over the other side of the mic. So <laughs> this is... An odd side raspberry blood orange fruit sickle. Ooh, that sounds uh, that sounds pretty summery for you know November. <laughs> it does. I couldn't decide. I was having a hard time picking what to drink today, and then my whole family was eating ice cream after dinner, and I didn't have time oh. for ice cream. And this beer had like a popsicle on the front of it. Perfect. So I was like, here, this will be my ice cream. It is a mixed fermentation ale brewed with lactose, raspberry, and blood orange added. And yeah, yeah, it's just like a little light ABV beer. The can is very like nondescript. It just has like a sticker on it. It's a silver can with a sticker that says odd side and has the pictures of the popsicles on it. I can't wait to share a photo of this on the Instagram. Um, And what does the beer look like? Ooh, the beer is very pretty. Yeah. It's like a pinkish orange. Yeah. Oh. I have to make sure I get a picture of this one for sure. So what are you drinking over there? So my ABV is not low today. Um, mm. I have Apothic Inferno, which is a red blend. Um, this is a small batch limited release. Um, and it's been aged in whiskey barrels for 60 days. And the vintage is 2016. And the alcohol by volume is 15.9%. That is boozy. Yes. And um, it tastes like red wine that has soaked in whiskey barrels for 60 days. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. The label is accurate. (laughs) You know, it's funny. That sounds like a very interesting combination. It is. It is. It's it's like um, kind of like a darker fruit, like kind of blackberry-ish to me. But then there's like kind of, it's spice. There's a lot of spice in it. And oh, okay. it's almost got a little bit of like a maple thing going on too. Hmm. But it does taste like, you know, it tastes very aggressive. It tastes like I had a long day. And... <laughs> This you tastes know. like I had a long day. That's a good, that's a good catchphrase for, for an alcohol company. You're welcome. You guys are welcome to take that. Yeah, there you go, Apothic Inferno. But it's like, it kind of, you know, it's got all these flames on the front. And I did, t- I, I was very proactive. I took my picture very early because I, I bought this at the store today because it's been staring at me every time I go to the store. So I was like, I'm going to try it. Good for you. I just took my picture just now with the laptop Ooh. in the background. Uh, I'm, hopefully that will turn out since it's nighttime. And, you know, we, like, are using fake light in here. Yeah. I don't need to take photos that way, but yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, it's got flames on it. But it's it, it blends in with the fall leaves very nicely. So when I saw that, I was like, I must take a picture now before Bev asked me for it on Friday. And I'm like, <laughs> well, shit, where's the bottle? You're like, I already threw the bottle in the recycling bin. Shoot, now I got to go buy a new one. But, yeah, this one's a sipper, so I don't think I'm going to get very far with it tonight. Yeah, no, that sounds like a sipper. And, you know, so if I'm going to be totally honest about my beer, I prefer my beer to not have booze in it. So, you know, that it's like it became like a really popular thing to soak beer in old whiskey barrels or even old tequila barrels. I never ended up really caring for those that much because it just kind of tasted like I was taking a shot of whatever yes. the alcohol was. And I'm not really a big a booze drinker anyways like I love my beer and I'll have wine every now and then I don't do a whole ton of hard alcohol I don't know why I've just never had like the taste buds for it never been my thing I mean it's dangerous if dangerous if it is your thing especially as you get older because Sam thinks that vodka Red Bulls are a great idea as it's (laughs) happening but afterwards it always like 
chews my stomach up and I usually have to eject it. Well, cheers to Montana Coombs of Thimbleworks for sponsoring yeah. our beverages. Yeah, our our grown-up beverages where we no longer regularly binge drink or anything like that. Yeah, no, the, these are our sophisticated beverages where yes. we just drink one and yes. we enjoy them and one we don't big bottle. throw them up <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, it, we love her stuff, guys. If you haven't checked her out, you can go to thimbleworks.co. And yes, that's co.com. And you can actually save 10% on some sassy farmware, chicken saddles, farmhouse decor, and more if you use the code Drink and Farm. So go over there and support her. Yeah, I got my uh, chicken tutu from her. <gasps> oh. So the chicken tutu that I took all those photos for Halloween. Um, the one that I used for that, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. That was from her shop. Yeah, so awesome. Aww, it was so thank cute. you, Montana. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, we're we drink and we farm things. Um, and I'm Sam, and, and that's I'm Beth. Bad over- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is Beth. this is a pod- yeah, this is a podcast. Um, where we drink, and I swear we did not drink before we hit record. We're just super weird tonight, thanks to daylight savings time, because we're recording this on Sunday. Um. So we drink and we like to talk about farming things and we don't judge other people for how they raise their animals. That's right. Like as long as they're not, you know, as long as they're feeding them and not intentionally neglecting them or harming them, which I'm sure none of our listeners would ever do. So right. there's that. And yeah. we like to think that we have discussions that will provide some new knowledge and entertainment. And sometimes we go off on tangents. And speaking of tangents, if you really like them, our BS session is on Patreon. So we do that right before we do the official episode. We used to drink during that, but learned the hard way that that makes the regular episode kind of sloppy if we do that. A shit show, so to speak. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so that is, we just talk about... <laughs> We talk about regular life stuff over there. Like today we went into daylight savings time and prescription medication, which was a little (laughs) odd, I guess, but normal for us to talk about. So you can go over there and check it out. It's for free. 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 Clearly I'm feeling a little funny today. Yeah. (laughs) And you should just check out our Patreon anyways. We're going to have some outtakes over there from an interview we've been trying so hard to complete, but we're kind of failing. Yeah, but that's all right. That interview is going to get done one way or another. Yes. We just we just know it. It's going to be so good. And um, it's it's kind of like two attempts to start an interview with Brad from Coop Dreams. Coop Dreams is a TV show. And Brad's kind of a big deal, even though he doesn't think he's a big deal. We think he's a big deal. He's totally a big deal. And we're so excited because um, we all seem to get along great. So I am excited to see what the future holds um, and getting to go to Coop Camp, hopefully, in 2019. So you guys can go listen to those previews, get excited about the full interview, um, because we're really excited about it. Yes, we are. Oh, and um, for our Patreon supporters of $5 and above, you should have received your your gifts by now. I just wanted to say thank you for your unwavering patience while I got my shit together and got those done and got printer ink so I could print labels to ship them to you. <laughs> All while working like 50-hour work weeks. So thank you guys for... Uh, being patient with that and hopefully the next round of gifts that'll either be in December or January um, will go out a little faster but we'll see cool. and I'm so <laughs> excited for everybody to get them um, when you guys get them let us know that you got them and and yes. what you think I'm I'm dying I'm dying to show I know. you this. I sent you yours too though so. and then if if you guys do like them I really would like to do a spinoff to put stuff in the shop because we sell merch Woo-hoo. That's right. It's shit Sam makes, and that supports yes. our podcast. It does. Yes. So I would like to put a spin off of that, maybe a holiday theme we'll see in the shop. But first, I want to know that you guys actually want it. So, yeah. Let us know. So, you'll have to let us know what you think of that. Yeah. 
And don't forget to take our survey. We've got a mm-hmm. super awesome survey going on right now. It uh, helps our podcast because it lets you give us some anonymous feedback uh, on how we're doing. So please, please, pretty please take that. And also join our Facebook group. Um, we really enjoy getting to know you guys a little better in the Facebook group. And hopefully the people that are in it enjoy getting to interact with us a little more. Um, we try to be really active in there. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's that. Yeah. Um, and review us in all the places. Please and thank you. You didn't say that already, did you? No, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I was like, maybe I missed it. I don't nope. know. This is pretty s- strong wine. So <laughs> I just wanted to verify. <laughs> yes, but please go review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us or, you know, on our Facebook page. That'd be cool. Yeah. We like to yeah. hear what you think. So give us your honest opinion. Right. Is there anything else for housekeeping? No, I don't think so. I think we're done cleaning house today. That's good. Yeah. So we get to move right along. Um, And I don't have any corrections yet. I was sort of expecting our talk on lighting the coop to uh, start some conversations. Um, But it hasn't yet. I mean, the episode just came out on Friday and we record the following Sunday. So there's a lot of people that probably haven't listened to it yet. So I'll add some stuff. Um, when we hear back from people on that. Awesome. Uh, I don't have any corrections either, but I do have a little follow-up. Um, my barn cuts are becoming less hateful by the day. Woo-hoo. And it's very exciting. I actually, I actually typed this in the notes before I went out and fed them dinner. And the black cat let me pet him while he ate. Oh, that's so awesome. With, like, the door open, his, like, full back. So I was, like, scratching his back. And oh. and then I went to his head, and you could tell, you know, how if you pet a, pet a cat's head, like, they kind of nuzzle into you a little bit. Mm-hmm. He started doing that and then realized, like, oh, shit, I got to be cool. And he kind of, like, <laughs> just, you know, put his head back down. <laughs> I was like, you like it. You like it. And then the gray one is just kind of still hiding but not like hiding as much and he's like watching me so I have faith within a week or so that you know he'll warm up a little bit more next Saturday is supposed to be release day where you know it's been like the minimum three week yeah period but I might talk to the volunteer I've been working with and just see like I'm a little worried about this gray one Does does it really hurt anything if I just keep him in for an extra week and then I might just try to keep them, like, in the barn and leave their door open and see what happens. That's a good idea. The, the, those sound like good plans, um, mostly because it takes a long time to earn an animal's trust, especially mm-hmm. an animal that's been through something, you know, that you're not exactly sure of what his life was like before. Right. So uh, even though, you know, like, it hasn't all panned out, like, within this, you know, magical three-week number, I, I think it makes sense to just extend the same thing for a little longer. Right. Um, until he comes around. Because, yeah, otherwise, if you just suddenly let him out, if he's not trusting you yet, he'll probably run off and then right. be gone. And that would be a bummer. Right. And those two are so bonded that it's either going to be the black one keeps him around or the gray one convinces the black one that let's leave. So. Yeah. So dramatic. It's like a soap opera. <laughs> the cat soap opera. And I see that you named them. Yeah. So the gray one is Bustopher Jones. I've been calling him Bustopher for a while. And I was like, okay, so either I'm going to name the black one after somebody from Cats, the musical, or I'm going to name him some other musical name. But I think I'm going to name the black one McCavity, even though it kind of bothers me that the description of the cat does not match him in oh, the song okay. lyrics, which is just nerdy. But it's fine because he's my cat and I can do what I want. That's all right. You're a theater nerd, so I can see yeah. why it bugs you. Or I was th- I was thinking of calling him Sweeney Todd. I, oh, sure. I like that too. <laughs> so definitely Bustopher Jones for the gray one because he's kind of tubby okay. and disgruntled looking. And then <laughs> the other one I'm still debating. But it'll be nerdy. <laughs> yep. I like it though. That's pretty exciting. But I've named them, so I'm going to be really sad if they don't come back after I let them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to hear what the what the rescue people think. But that's yeah. my unsolicited, not 
not knowing anything about cats advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But I mean, I do know something about animals and rescue animals, so for sure. I feel like that's what I would do. Um, so do you have any follow-up? I do. My kombucha is totally drinkable. Ooh. Yeah. Which is, is kind of insane. It is so good. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's even better than the one that the Amish makes, which kind really? of surprised me. Oh, yeah. dang. Look at you go, Miss Kombucha Maker. So, yeah. And I have a little tiny scoby. So if you want one, I can send you a scoby if you want to make uh... your own kombucha. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm that hippie yet. You haven't (laughs) rubbed off on me that much. (laughs) Let me know when I've rubbed off on you enough, and I'll totally send you some starter tea and a scoby because it was stupid easy to make, um, and it was delicious. Like it, so I made it with just black tea and some sugar and my scoby. And it has like this, when you smell it, it smells awful. It smells like apple cider vinegar. <laughs> like I almost gagged when I smelled it. I was like, oh, but I did something wrong. Um, but then I poured it into the cup and it's fizzy and it's light and it has like this sweet honey taste to it. It tastes like honey oh. and tea and like a little bit of, but not, not really vinegary, but you know, like you can taste that it's a probiotic beverage, but it still tastes really good. In fact, like even my 13 year old son liked it so much, he asked for another glass tonight. And I was like, um, no, it's a gut health drink. So like one a day Aww, is all you can yeah. have. Cause like, I don't want to like totally mess up your digestive system. <laughs> right. I, I brewed another batch today. So it'll be ready in a week or two. Um, the last batch took, I let it sit for almost exactly two weeks. So, okay. Yeah. And I bottled up the rest and just threw it in the fridge and I gave a bottle to my neighbor. I was like, here, have some kombucha. (laughs) I bestow kombucha (laughs) (laughs) among the neighbors. (laughs) Oh, that's too good. Well, I'm glad that it turned out well, cause that could have gone, you know, either way. I guess. Like yeah, really I mean, that scoby is still terrifying looking. Um, <laughs> I poked it, which t- took a little bit of courage. <laughs> didn't say, ouch, don't do that. No, it didn't say anything back to me. So I'm oh, happy about that's that. <laughs> I just, I poured new tea on it this morning and now it looks all happy and it's starting to do its thing. So. All right. There you go. I can add kombucha maker to my resume. Awesome. <laughs> Add it to your LinkedIn if you have one. <laughs> I used to. I don't think I have one anymore. Womp womp. I was totally to going to be friends with you on there. Okay, but back to business. All yeah, right. right. I guess we can get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Yeah, I think we can. So I wanted to talk about something really cool that happened here. So we had our first broody hen. Well, not our first broody hen. We've had our first successful hatch from a broody hen. I should put it that way. And she hatched a chick on Saturday morning. Which is so exciting. Yeah. It's so cool. And it's the cutest thing I have ever seen, I think, in the animal world. Because she's just such a good little mama. She's a she's a frizzle bantam cochin, so she's tiny. Oh. I think she was kind of molting. So she's got like half her, I should say like a third of her feathers are gone. And then um, what they do is they like rip out their chest feathers um, because that the skin to egg contact is what regulates the humidity when they're sitting on their eggs. So I got, I was like thinking, gosh, she must be so freaking cold. Um, But she seems to be doing fine. Baby's doing fine. We had another egg under her that I thought I saw movement, but now I'm not so sure. I'm going to give it another couple days just in case. But yeah, but it's okay if there's only one hatch chick because she's following around mama. So I thought it would be fun to tell you guys some pros and cons of using a broody hen because I think a while ago we did a mini-sode on incubating um, with an incubator. Not we a, did. Yeah, but we didn't talk hen. about broody hens because neither of us have hatched a chick under a broody hen as yes. of yet or until now. Now you have. I know. It's so cool. So obviously the hen acts as both like the incubator and the brooder box depending on your setup, but you don't need any heat lamps or electricity. Now we have that little like heating pad thing that I put in the little hutch that she's in. Um, 
because it's so cold. And I was like, oh my gosh, the little baby is going to be so cold. But they sit on the complete opposite side of that hutch. So I'm thinking I can just unplug it. Yeah. um, Because she doesn't need any help. And it was probably too warm. Um, So that's nice that mom takes care of that while they're incubating. And while, um, or I should say after they're hatched. Um, The hen turns the eggs. So if you've hatched in an incubator, you know you have to use an egg turner or turn them by hand. And it's really interesting, too, because we started with five eggs under her. And then we ended up with three. And then the day before, she kicked one out. And it's said that broodies can detect non-fertile and non-developing eggs. And they'll kick them out of the nest. So there's no need for you to even candle them. But I totally did because I'm a nerd and I want to see them. And I was just curious because I've never had a hen do it before. So... I did candle them still, but it was interesting because the other eggs just kind of disappeared. <laughs> oh, you don't know where they went? No. Like one of them, gone? One of them did, and then I should say one of them did, and then the other one I have no clue where it went. So I don't <laughs> know if, like, one of the other chickens got a hold of it or something after she kicked it out. Yeah, it might have broken totally when it rolled out of the box. And then, yeah. you know, chickens Ugh. are pretty cannibalistic, so. They are. Ugh. And let's see. And it's, you know, it's really cool to see, like, Betty White be a good mom um, because (laughs) there is always the chance that because chickens are cannibalistic that they will peck the chick to death when it's born because they don't understand what it is. But she hasn't done that. Um, And she's teaching the chick how to eat and drink and eventually take dust baths and keep her away from predators and things like that. Um, we do, we did decide to separate them into a, a little bunny hutch thing for now because I didn't know how the other chickens would react. And because Betty's a bantam, I didn't want her to get hurt trying to defend the chick. But eventually. Yeah, that was a good well, call. Yeah, I'm just super paranoid. <laughs> and I would have been devastated and would have felt so bad for both of them. Yeah. The, uh, the mama will know That it's okay to have the chicks go outside on short field trips and things like that, which is great because it exposes them to the environment so they can build up a stronger immune system. So eventually I'll probably set up a little gate outside so they can go outside and have a good time, you know, live in life. But I was doing some research and I saw that um, people have their broodies hatch in the winter and the mom will take them outside in the snow for a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so we learned something new. Right? So I feel like, you know, broodies probably go broody more in the spring and the summer when it's warmer. But it doesn't hurt anything as long as the mom isn't kind of like a psychopath. Yeah. Um. <laughs> as long as it's a good, good mother hen. Yes, exactly. So there are some cons or things to think about, you know, if you want to use a broody hen. You can't really time the hatch um, because you can't force a hen to go broody so if you have to order fertile eggs it might coordinating that might be a little tricky but if you have a rooster on your property and um or maybe you have some breeding pen set up like this totally will work out great for you um some hens don't sit the entire 21 days and they'll abandon their nest you know, as they're starting to develop. So you want to make sure you have a backup for an incubator. Um, if that's the case, because we have had hens just quit because they just, they're fickle. They'll get distracted (laughs) by like treats or something and they'll get up and then they'll just forget to go back. Yes. And they'll just like, or, or they'll go back and they'll hop in the wrong nesting box sometimes too. Yeah. We have a, incubating the clutch of eggs that are like the new ones from the day (laughs) yeah we have two of the our eclipse babies which are like barnyard mixes from last august like they were born right around the eclipse yeah and they i put it on my um instagram stories yesterday they're like sitting on one of the fake eggs together and one of them's (laughs) got its head under the other one like it's trying to be a baby chick like maybe they're jealous of betty white i don't know but i've tried to put eggs under those ones and they just they do the thing where they hop in the different nesting box yeah (laughs) 
They're just, they're kind of crazy. They're leghorn mixes, so they're a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) They all have their little personalities. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Last thing you really want to consider is that both hatching eggs and baby chicks are very vulnerable to predators like rats and snakes, in addition to other flock members. So you'll need to be aware of this um, and kind of prepare yourself if anything does go wrong, if you're not going to separate them. It was really interesting because Betty was on the ground with her nest, like under the nesting boxes. And then Chubby, one of our oldest, she's like top hen, or she was. And then she molted and kind of went a little crazy for a while (laughs) because our rooster Batman was chasing her around the yard and just like raping her whenever he could. So she lost her mind for a little bit, but she was like sitting next to Betty trying to help, I think, or was like emotional support. But I was really worried that she was going to do something to the eggs. So you got to kind of keep an eye on them. But overall, it's really cool. It's so much easier. I felt like the three weeks went so much faster when I didn't have to look at the incubator every time I went into the kitchen because I just would kind of forget about it until I went in the coop so (laughs) and then I didn't have to do anything and I didn't have to add to my electric bill so there you go if you guys want to try that out I highly recommend it which is exciting I think I'm gonna give it a try this spring I'll I'll probably still hatch some in the incubator but if we have someone go broody I might let them give it a try because hopefully our uh, rooster Steven will be will be servicing the ladies (laughs) by that point Although, I, I've got to send you a video of Steven. I think he limps. Aww. But I'm not sure. Do roosters just walk funny? Um, Not usually, but okay. bat, our Batman does kind of like this little... Like, I can't even describe it. He, he like I thought, bobs when he walks. He, I don't yeah. know how to describe it. But my husband, we, we we moved them today so they could have some fresh air. My husband's like, I think his foot is broken. And I'm like, no, I don't think that that's the case. But one of his toes is definitely weird. You know, he's the one that had the spraddle leg. Oh. And so I fixed his spraddle leg. Um, so he walks. But, like, I don't think it's quite right. I, I think I might have abandoned it too soon. I mean, and he's too old now to try to do it again. But... I just he keep might hoping be okay, that, though. Yeah, I keep hoping that his leg will continue to get stronger as he gets bigger. My fear is that he's going to get so big his leg can't hold himself up anymore. And then, you know, uh, at that point, I'll probably have to call him because I can't. Um, I, I don't really have a setup here for a special needs rooster with one leg. Right. Um, if that ends up happening. But I'm crossing my fingers that that's not the case. We had a hen that had a little hitch in her giddy up for a while, and then it resolved on its own because I thought we were going to have to call her. So I just keep an eye on it. He might be fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that he's fine because I was like looking at him today and I was like, I don't have anywhere to put a special needs rooster. Yeah, I think and he'll be okay. If I brought him inside the house, my dogs would eat him. So. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Even if I did talk my husband into a house rooster, it would be a disaster because my dogs are inside dogs. So, Yeah, I don't think it would work very well. No, no, that wouldn't at all. Well, and I'm hoping that he isn't really like he, he doesn't really have an issue with his leg because then he won't make a good breeding rooster if he does. You might be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as long as his leg know. thing isn't congenital, I'm, I'm hoping that it was just an injury. Yeah, he's yeah. I would definitely give it plenty of time. I think the hen that had an, a leg issue with us, it was like two weeks, and then she was fine. So I oh, couldn't okay. figure out what it was. And you know, we had chickens dying left and right for a while. So I was like, oh, does she have the cancer? I think she just hopped down off the roost a little weird one day, or maybe it was from, you know, roosters mounting her. Like, I wasn't sure. And yeah. We don't want, we're not helicopter chicken moms 24 7. So it's like, you don't know what happened. So. Yeah. You have no idea. Like, I thought that he was back to normal. And then when we were laying him out today, I was like, yeah, I feel like he's walking funny. I was like, mm, I don't know anything about roosters, so. Yeah, you should. Uh, maybe it's a swagger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could totally just be a swagger. I mean, he is Stephen Ray Morris, the rooster, so. Yeah, yes, but you can't kill Stephen. It's just a joke. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it would be terrible. That's so dark. <laughs> this is your last chance to get a honey and rue box before Christmas. 
Yeah, that's right. And with the Honey and Rue box, every month you'll receive six to eight hard-to-find items for your flock and you, including first aid and health items, treats, coop products, and high-quality chicken-themed gifts. The chicken-themed gifts are kind of my favorite part because, you know, they're for me. Oh, for sure. Mine too. And speaking of gifts, a Henny and Roo subscription is the perfect gift to a chicken keeper because it really is the subscription box for chickens and the people that love them. So go to HennyandRoo.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to save 10% off your first box when you subscribe. Yeah, go do it. So what have you been up to this week, Bev? So I'm finally getting some momentum going in my garden. Oh, hey. Which I'm really excited about because gardening was something that I thought I would get on right away when we moved here. But it just like became like one thing after another after another. And I'm kind of glad that we've had this setback because we were able to put together our raised garden bed using a really neat permaculture method called Hugo culture. Oh, that sounds German. <laughs> it does sound German, doesn't it? I mean, it probably is German. So permaculture is using um, or developing agricultural ecosystems that are sustainable and self-sufficient. So um, when you have a garden that's using permaculture practices, you're intentionally making it so that you don't have to do things like uh, fertilize or intervene for pest control because you've put in like the proper natural systems in place um, so that none of that stuff is necessary. So they really are supposed to be like, you know, self-sustaining gardens, so to speak. Okay. And um, a Hugo culture bed, um, they're no-dig raised garden beds that hold moisture and build fertility because what they do is, um, so I make mine by putting logs on the bottom and then I stuff in dirty straw uh, that I get out of like the goat pen or out of the chicken coop. And then I'll put in some kitchen scraps or or weeds or leaf litter or anything else, you know, that that I can find around the property. Mm-hmm. And then I put a layer of soil on the top and all of that stuff that's underneath the soil will break down and continue to fertilize the garden bed. Fancy. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's a really neat thing. And um, my friend Amy up at Fruitdale Farm, she has Hugo culture beds at her property Hers aren't as tall as mine. Um, We had to kind of, we had to kind of do something different with ours um, because of my back issues. I didn't want to have a garden that I had to like bend over all the time or get down on the ground to work in. Cause like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this resolves itself and, you know, with like some physical therapy, I'm going to be totally back to normal within the next few months, but that's not a guaranteed And I mean, let's face it, I am only getting older at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so we built ours. Uh, How tall are our beds? Two of them are a little shorter because we accidentally messed up and bought the wrong size um, wood. Whoops. (laughs) Yeah. So two, so our front two beds are shorter and I think they're around two and a half feet tall. Okay. So they're at like the perfect height. So I can bend over into the middle of them to harvest or plant things. And then all of the trellises are all standing height. So I don't have to bend over to to get like cucumbers or pole beans or anything else that grows on a trellis. Perfect. Which will, yeah, help save my back, which will be so nice. Um, but also the height that they're at is perfect for, have you ever seen those garden carts that uh, you can, you know, like kind of drag around and then sit on? Maybe. I probably have. I just can't think of it right now. Okay. Well, they're it, they're the perfect height for me to like sit on one of those and then reach into uh, the garden and harvest or plant or weed or do whatever else it is that I want to do. Perfect. That sounds like a great setup for for your current situation. <laughs> and even like if you it does resolve. Like, it's probably better for your back long term. Yeah, it probably is. Because, like, you know, obviously, like, I'm already having issues. So so that's going to be something that I'll probably fight for a little while. Um, but what was really cool about it is, like, so fall is the perfect time um, to start putting together your garden beds like this. Because Hugo culture beds do best when they've had some time to cure 
because everything you know kind of starts to break down over the next six months Mm -hmm. so the the soil will continue to get fed technically you can plant on them right away so if you don't get around to it until spring like don't beat yourself up you can still plant to them but also so i did mine inside boxes that we built out of um what is that Uh, heat treated pine i think is what it's called it's not the chemical treated wood because you don't want that leaching into your food right um so it's the heat treated um pine or not treated i can't remember my husband told me and then i forgot to write it down (laughs) it's just pine lumber from like menards that hasn't been treated with chemicals (laughs) That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. So that's if, what Corrections Corner is for. <laughs> yeah. So if you go to a hardware store and ask for untreated or or not chemically treated pine, they'll know what you're talking about and they won't yeah. make fun of you too much. Maybe behind your back. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but you don't have to build um, garden beds in order to do a Hugo culture bed because um, Hugo culture actually means like mound culture. That's what it means. It's um, it's mound gardening. So if you wanted to be really green and earth friendly, you wouldn't have to build the boxes like I did. I couldn't have mine spilling out all over the place because of where our gardens were at and what I wanted to do. So I needed to build ours up a little taller. So that's why I built the tall beds. Um, But if you don't have the budget to build raised garden beds, but you still want to do Hugo culture, you can do it almost the exact same way. The way that my friend Amy did hers um, was she actually dug into the ground where she wanted to have her garden beds. And then she filled that hole with logs and then built everything up around it. And um, the ideal size for these beds are approximately six feet by three feet. Um, But it's a really forgiving gardening practice. So you can really do whatever you want. You just, you need to make sure that they're tall enough that you're able to have stuff break down in them. Um, But other than that, there's really no rules when it comes to hugoculture. You want to make sure that the logs that you put inside the garden beds are not cedar, walnut, or other tree species that are aliopathic. And um, aliopathy is a biological phenomenon by which organisms, um, the organism produces like a chemical that prevents other organisms to germinate or grow or survive or reproduce. So um, like black walnut trees, um, have you ever heard like not to garden near a black walnut tree or not to put black walnuts in your compost? That's why. Oh. It's because like something in them makes it so that like your seeds can't germinate. Gotcha. I didn't know that. So which is really interesting. Yeah. Learn something new every day. And obviously, you know, these beds do best with uh, lots and lots of uh, organic material that you can just find around your property. You don't have to get too fancy with it. Kitchen scraps, leaves, weeds that you've pulled, uh, fallen branches, twigs, straw from your chicken coop or your goat barn, manure if you have, you know, horses or cows or anything like that. Um, All that does really well. And it helps your bed maintain its proper carbon to nitrogen ratio which uh, means that your plants do better, which is pretty awesome. I was pretty excited to find this um, gardening style because I felt like it sort of brought me back to my um, my roots of what I was trying to do around here. Oh. So I was like, hey, now I don't have to buy fertilizer for my gardens. Heck yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I have something to do with all of my compost. So um, we got... All of the, so we have six garden beds out there now. All six of them are squared, laid, and we have them built. So they're ready. And two of the garden beds yesterday, we got filled with logs and dirty goat straw. So I'll be kind of slowly filling the rest of them as the winter continues. And I, you know, clean out the barn or go chop down trees or find fallen sticks or logs or whatever. Because we'll have some storms that I'll knock over some pine trees. Right. So that's what we'll do. A pine tree will fall. We'll go out there with the chainsaw and chunk it up into logs and then throw them in the bottom of the garden beds. And then we'll throw some soil on them. And this type of gardening works really well here because we have really awful clay soil. It's got a lot of nutrients in it, but it's hard for plants to grow in that. Yeah. And in fact, where our garden bed is at, there are so many rocks. It's ridiculous. We had looked at just like 
planting straight in the ground over there. In fact, the old owner, that's all of her gardens were in the grounds back there. And they did really well. But she she had a green thumb and knew what she was doing. (laughs) I didn't have nearly that kind of success. Um, And, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can garden in less than ideal circumstances. And I'm sure eventually I probably could have learned how to do it. But these raised beds, like, give me a definite space to plan out, which helps right. my accountant brain. It's like right. everything has to have a place and there has to be a certain number of them. Otherwise, the options are just too infinite for me. And I'll never make a decision. That makes sense, though. I mean, you got to just do what works for your brain. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So now the only thing I need to do is I need to get some soil in there. Um, because then I can plant the garlic because the garlic has been patiently waiting to be planted now. And I'm starting to run out of time as long as I get it in the ground before the ground hard freezes, which it shouldn't hard freeze until mid December here. I'm thinking. I I have no idea. I might've just made that up. (laughs) Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. I'm hoping that I can get the garlic in the ground before Thanksgiving. Um, the weather has been pretty nice here and you know, one thing I can do if I'm running a little behind is I'll put the garlic in the ground and then I'll staple a clear plastic tarp over it. So it'll greenhouse it for like a month. And then as soon as I see that roots have started establishing, I'll pull it off and then it'll do its overwintering thing and that'll totally work. So, um, I mean, I haven't tried that yet, but I feel like that should, should work knowing what I know about gardening. So, right. And so far, our garden that we have that has all the lettuce and stuff in it, we just threw a plastic tarp over it, and it's been surviving just fine. You you should see the lettuce head that I pulled out of it today because I made lettuce cups for dinner, and it's ginormous. My husband could not believe that that came out of our garden. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I grew this <laughs> in I one of our agriculture beds. Yeah. Ha <laughs> suckers. Right. So um, I'll put links in the show notes um, that kind of tell you how to do Hugo culture because I found a cool link. Um, but it's basically the stuff that I went over already. But if you want to read a little more about it, you totally can. Yeah. Get your German gardening on. <laughs> German gardening. <laughs> I did look it up. It is German. Oh, it is? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it sounds German. So you sent me a pretty interesting article this week. I did. I did send you an interesting article. Um, And now is a good time to talk about it because this is going to go out after the election. So we know that our discussion didn't uh, influence it in any way. (laughs) I mean, we are totally, totally influencers. (laughs) Right. So we would have totally swayed anybody that listens to us in the state of California (laughs) with our logic. (laughs) Well, and so we don't normally talk politics on here, but there is a proposition currently on the California ballot, and it's Proposition 12, um, which is also known as the Farm Animal Confinement Initiative. Yes, and a yes vote would have supported this initiative to establish minimum space requirements based on square feet for calves calves raised for veal, breeding pigs, and egg-laying hens, and it would also ban the sale of veal from calves, pork from breeding pigs, and eggs from hens when the animals are confined to areas below minimum square feet requirements so you know reading that you're kind of like okay i agree with that you know they they need their space to move around and you know that sort of that totally makes sense but bev why would i even consider voting no so yeah when i read the article that's about prop 12 um and most of the articles that i'm coming about come across have been very pro Prop 12. Um, but because now that we're doing this homesteading thing and we're really thinking about the way that our food is raised and where our food comes from, like as I was reading the article, I was like, no, they're missing like a very key like piece to the puzzle here when you're talking about legislating something like animal welfare in, in this way. I'm not saying, you know, like animals definitely there's a there should be minimum requirements for how they're treated. Um, for sure, because otherwise you're going to end up with those people that are going to do the bare minimum just so that they can make a profit. So we absolutely have to have rules and laws surrounding animal welfare. But by only allowing 
food to come from producers that are able to meet these extra requirements that they're suddenly trying to put into place. Like you could really end up inadvertently limiting the amount of food that's able to come into the state of California. Right. So it says here that if this bill or yeah, if this proposition or proposal, whatever the hell it's called, if this passed on November 6th when you guys voted, right? Um, the chickens would have to have at least one square foot of floor space starting in 2020. And then it would require chicken, duck, and goose hens be kept outside cages beginning in 2020. So that first one is a pretty quick turnaround. So you have a year to reconfigure everything that you have set up now. So it's limited to one square foot per chicken. And then you have to figure out a way to have it outside of cages. Now, I'm wondering if that outside of cages looks like what we saw in the Rotten documentary where it was free floor space in a huge ass barn. Well, and that's probably what they're talking about. Um, and, you know, in the Rotten documentary, this was not how the chicken, the chickens looked like they had a little more than one foot per one square foot per a hen in that area because right. like they were actually right. able to free move. But if they really did pack the hens in so that there was literally only one square foot of of floor space per hen, like you end up with all sorts of other issues like like bullying issues or picking or cannibalism happening. And then suddenly now you're removing chickens beaks so that they're not picking at each other so that you're not ending up with dead hens. And then like your cruelty free, you know, cage free eggs suddenly look like some like some total like franken like frankenstein situation going on in the barn which is not good not in the animal's well-being either and when you demand that a company makes that quick of a turnaround in something that they're doing they're gonna have to downsize which is gonna make it more difficult for them to make this overhaul because I don't know what their setups are, setups are like now, but say it's, you know, less than one foot. So they're in the same building. They're going to have to reconfigure everything within a year, which is going to be expensive. They're going to have less hens, and then that's going to drive up the cost of their meat. And I don't know what the economy is like in the state of California off the top of my head, but I know that chicken, when it's, you know, cage-free, is very expensive <laughs> compared to... I whatever the hell the other option conventional conventional chicken I guess is what we'll call it yeah I mean totally the thing is is like so like as a country we're already kind of fighting about how to feed people that don't have the means to to feed and you know provide their own money for groceries right so something like this is probably just causing more barriers for people who are already struggling for food right like the cost just, of living is going to go up. Yeah. Like, and it's already insane in California, I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I grew up there. So, um, yeah. And this this bill isn't unusual for the state of California. And on its face, it sounds like it it's really awesome because you're thinking about the welfare of animals. Right. The main reason why we wanted to bring it up on here is because we wanted to remind everybody that you all already have the power to decide how your food is treated. Yes. Because there are already tons of small farmers raising their food the way that nature intended it to be raised and in humane conditions and using humane butchering practices. So you don't have to rely on legislation to change the way that you eat. Exactly. You already have the option when you're at the store, more than likely. Like, I went to the store this morning. It's a big box store. And there is a variety of different kinds of meat in different ways that it was raised at my fingertips. And it is a lot more expensive when it's organic and grass-fed or grain-fed or whatever per the kind of animal is the ideal way for it to be raised. Big difference. And I'm in a situation right now where it's like, I might have to go back to buying the not bougie chicken (laughs) for a little bit just for survival. So, you know, we can pay our mortgage and pay for our cars and all the stuff we need to get to our jobs and all that. Like, so you're going to force people to make decisions 
based on this legislation that I'm sure has a lot of like good energy behind it. But again, it's just that whole political thing of being black and white when it's more of a gray area. Yeah, it just kind of turns out that everything is just more of a gray area. And it was really interesting. um, In this one article that we read, this guy that is the president of the National Association of Egg Farmers, he said um, that he believes that it would end up creating less humane conditions because the chickens Mm -hmm. would end up picking at each other. Um, And that also food safety can become a concern um, because chickens can pick up roundworms when they come into contact with infected feces on the ground. So, Hmm. um, you know, those like really sterile egg houses with the hens and cages and whatnot, like, um, you know, they're, they're relatively disease free as awful as they are. I'm not saying that those are good or anything, but like, you know, the reason why they set these systems into place are sometimes because they're looking for the animal's welfare they're probably going about it wrong when cages like that are involved, but it just goes to show that things are just more complicated. Right. There's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason why it's set up that way. And like you said, it's not always like the feel good kind of thing. And I remember watching a How It's Made show on TV. And one of it was like about like hens laying eggs. And like they're in those cages. And then they talked about how soon they call them after they're above their or like they're not at their peak anymore. And it just made me so sad. Yeah. Like, oh, um, but you have the choice not to buy those eggs, especially totally. if you're listening to this podcast. You probably have chickens or you're thinking about getting chickens. Yeah. Or you go shop at your farmer's market so you can grab them from there. Right. I mean, yeah, there's just there's just so many more options than that. And you know right. what? I thought it was really funny that PETA was against this initiative. What? Yeah, really? PETA is against it because it, they say it doesn't go far enough. So <laughs> you just can't make PETA happy. We've no. made jokes about that in the past, so I saw that, and I was like, oh, Sam's Oh, my God. That. <laughs> I was like, oh, somebody with a brain over there was like, oh, this is a terrible idea for this, like, factual reasons that we just mentioned. No, it doesn't go far enough. It just doesn't so go far enough. Yeah. They want to, you know, they probably want the chickens to have an ocean view while they free range in the mountains. Um Amongst predators. That's Perhaps. probably the idea. And then you have to hunt for the eggs because they're on like hundreds of acres. And then somebody, you know, finds a rooster that's out in the wild and then has some baby chicks. And then I just go into a soap opera in my head. I shouldn't go. make fun of PETA that way. I'm sure they're, some of them are well-intentioned people. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, somebody said that the reason why PETA was against it was because PETA was just against eating eggs in general. Oh, I mean, which is fair, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> they probably are. <laughs> so yeah. you have you have the right to have an opinion, and I have the right to say it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have the right to say that it's not my opinion. It's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Sam drinking her almost sixteen percent ABV wine. <laughs> Leave it to Sam. Mm-hmm. But I mean. I'll be curious to see if more of these pop up and I'll be looking to see what happens with it. I mean, if it passes, it probably is in the best interest of animals and I'm sure that they'll find a way to make it work. Right. Um, But it's just, it's just another one of those things that just, you kind of start to look at those things a little differently. um, Once you're actually raising animals and you see like what it really takes to feed your own family let alone try to create food for tons of other people and suddenly I feel like you can have a little more empathy for some of the issues that conventional farmers have run into trying to produce enough food to make a profit and feed people yep maybe it's just somebody's way of making more Californians vegetarians I mean, it, that's totally a possibility. Or vegans. And <laughs> like I told Sam when we first um, discussed this article originally, like if I still lived in California, I'd have a super hard time voting against that. Because like everything on the inside of my being says that this really is what's in the best interest of the animals. Right. So I want to do that, even though I can see the problems with it. I almost think of it too in my mind, I try to take the emotional reaction out of it because I, I think 
I would have a hard time too. But you have to think of it like as a, a business or an economical decision at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to just go with the emotional, especially if I'm in the voting booth and I didn't really do my research before I got there. And then I quick Google this, you know, and they're like, yeah. oh my God, why would I vote no? And then make that snap decision. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's. Well, I think sometimes those, there's a written that way too. So yes. that you have a knee jerk reaction one day. Wait, I feel like we talked about that. Maybe it was during a BS session, but we did talk about that, how they're kind of right. written away and, to make it seem like there's only one right and, answer. And you can agree with a proposal to a point. But you can also say we can do better than this and vote no and then work towards a new proposal later. Yeah. And I mean, and then on the other hand, too, sometimes you run into like you almost um, like uh, what happens sometimes is you're looking for that perfect solution when a perfect solution doesn't right. exist or can't actually be come to. So then, like, in that case, like, you almost have to just go with the proposal that you're given if a perfect one isn't going to be able to come up. But I feel like in this case, um, there there are some different things that, that could right. be done. And I have a feeling and, this is not bipartisan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I was having a hard time finding no's for that proposal. So I thought it was interesting if we came on the opposite side of it since yeah. we weren't very much going to the no. Like, I know that the yes raised, like, I don't know, five times the amount of money that the no did. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's probably one of those things that's going to, like, push right through, um, like I said. So I thought coming in from a different angle yeah. would just make people's brains think. I- not that we're not saying that animals shouldn't have No, yeah, that's not. obviously we think that. I mean, yeah, obviously that's why we, we both strive to raise our own food. But it, I would be interested yeah. to see if this proposition was like in the Midwest somewhere. I think it would get shot down so fast. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that it would. Well, and, you know, California has a huge agricultural market. Like a lot of food that feeds the rest of the country comes from California also. So this isn't just going to affect California. Right, exactly. It'll be interesting. <laughs> Another reason why it doesn't just affect California also is all the food that's brought into the state is going to have to meet these regulations uh-huh. also. So a farmer in Iowa or Ohio or Michigan is going to have to. Right. Have to. Yeah. You know what I'm it's saying? It's going to do <laughs> they have to meet these some interesting things to their economy if it passes through and other. It's going to have a ripple effect. That's for sure. And I'm interested to see if it's good or bad. I wonder if farmers just decide not to sell to California anymore. I, I'm sure they would. But, I but... mean, they're a really big food market. Yeah. So you can't necessarily just decide that you're not going to. See, that's why these things are just so complicated. If everybody could just have civilized conversations like we have. Which is what we yeah, do here. We enjoy those. And if you hate us now based on this opinion discussion that we had, that's okay because you don't have to listen to us. But we hope you stay around. Well, and we hope that if you have anything that you can add to it, you join our group and you chat with us about it because we would love to hear more yeah. sides on it because I'm sure that somebody else has a thought on it that we just didn't recognize right, right away. And I mean, people, we're only two people. People shouldn't trust everything we say either, <laughs> but just don't yeah. be an asshole with your opinion. That is basically oh, the yeah. only rule. Yeah, because I don't feel like we're being assholes. I mean, I said some this. shit about PETA, but eh, they, they uh, might have had it coming. I- <laughs> I feel like everybody has a love hate relationship with Peta. Yeah, and Sam just has a hate hate. Just, just very gray. We'll call it a gray area. <laughs> a gray area. I love animals. I don't like extremism on, e- on anything. Uh, yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. Except to say. for my love of chickens, that is very extreme. Yeah, and my love of goats is right oh, up there, too. Oh, that's fair. We're pretty hardcore goat and chicken crazy Aww. ladies. And I feel like I yeah. would be remiss not to mention Ashley Kernan's adorable new donkeys, too. <gasps> yes, <gasps> I'm obsessed with her new donkeys. So if you guys aren't in our Facebook group yet, you need to go join it because Ashley Kernan posted the cutest picture of her new donkeys. And we need oh. donkeys now. Oh, totally. Totally. I'm so excited for her family, and at the same time, I'm so Ugh, jealous. Same. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Ashley. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your goat 
or not your goats, your donkeys with us. I have like the smallest glass of wine and I'm feeling very warm right now. Well, it's good. the Inferno. <laughs> My husband's going to be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Um, this is We Drink and We Farm Things. And I'm Sam. And I'm Bev. And make sure you join us over on Instagram. You can follow us at Drink and Farm. And we also love it when you use our hashtag Drink and Farm. Just please farm safely when you use it. Because we love looking at your adorable photos of you drinking and farming. That's right. Well, drink, farm, and and give give zero zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye.